Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. My name is Peter Englert. We are brought to you by the Lumavaz Network at a Saddleback Church. We are also brought to you by Browncroft Community Church. We exist to respond the question to the questions you don't feel comfortable asking in church. And uh, Gage, my co-host today, and we want to thank our producer Nathan. We are still in the series. Why do you still follow Jesus? We brought all the way in from Webster, New York. <laughs> Our friend, such a drive, compadre, Rich Chrisman. What, what, what do you? Before he introduces himself, anything you want to say about Rich? Oof. So you know, we were actually years and years ago here at Browncroft together. Yeah. Part of this little, you know, Christian Boy Scouts, yeah, pretty much type thing called Stockade. That is where we originally know each other from. You taught me how to play Ghost in the Graveyard. Oh, gosh. Wow. Yeah. I have, nice. a, I have a visceral memory of it. That makes one of I us. I think I was maybe in fourth grade. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good times. Um, but but I got reintroduced to Rich uh, just two years ago now. Yeah. Um, after moving back to Rochester from New York and um, bumped into him at an event, uh, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. gets into his introduction uh, by Forefront, which is a local nonprofit committed to fostering the arts. And uh, since then, we've become good friends again, better yeah. than before, I'd say. Yeah, so definitely. super glad to have him. One more quick joke. I mean, we uh, we have the Grove City College and Josh Eisenhart, who's a friend of the podcast, mm. is, of course, goes to the rival uh, Geneva College. Does he? <laughs> yeah, did yeah. he? I didn't even know that. Anyways, okay. that, that that's deep cuts for you. But that Rich, explains a lot about Josh and my relationship. <laughs> That just existed. Yeah. <laughs> we we could title this, Why Would I Go to Grove City Instead of Geneva? But anyways, Rich, oh before come, we go- I'll to, come back on for that. Uh, yeah. Before we go down that rabbit trail, mm-hmm. uh, why don't you just give us a brief intro of uh, who you are, where you're from, and you know what you're currently doing right now. Yeah. Um, Gage did a good job uh, starting <laughs> that off. So I am from <laughs> here. No, I um, this very room. No, I, I, I'm from- uh, yeah, born and raised in here in Rochester. I uh, grew up at here at Browncroft Church until I was in about ninth grade, and then uh, my my family moved to to another church, and I've I've hopped around a bit since then. But uh, uh, probably you know a lot of points of connection with with you guys for that reason. But um, yeah, I am. So I I did move away for some time. I went to Grove City College in Pennsylvania, um, and I lived in Pittsburgh for a short time, uh, moved back to Rochester in 2018 to take a uh, high school teaching job. So I'm a high school teacher now uh, here in the Rochester area. I teach high school English. Love that. (laughs) So um, yeah, so I do that. And then I also am the co-leader of Forefront, as Gage mentioned. So we uh, focus on authentic Christian faith and excellence in the arts. And we try to uh, foster and platform and encourage and equip um, authentic Christians to produce beauty uh, and and to quote create in light of their Creator. Mm. So, um, kind of splitting my time, you know, it's probably you know th- these are not split three ways evenly. But I have the, I have the English teaching life, I have the the forefront life, and I have uh, an eight month old son at home and a lovely wife Missy. So uh, the family is is. You know, really a big part of it now. Kids learning how to crawl, learning how to. He sings now. Oh wow! It's really great. So, so before Gage goes super super serious, 
Oh. We didn't talk about this. Wow. Um, Let's go. You know. Let me ask you some like quick hitting questions. Yeah. Just to have some fun. Um, an author of fiction that we should read that no one tells you to read. Ooh. All right. Um, He's a good one for this. Yeah. So especially in the Christian circle, this is specifically to, to Christian listeners, viewers. Mm. Um, you've probably heard of Neil Gaiman. So um, he wrote um, Sandman and American Gods and um, Good Omens and things like that. But uh, he has been called by many uh, kind of like the heir of C.S. Lewis and um, not a Christian, but very, um, very, let's say, eternity minded. Mm. So his he's extremely well, you know, researched in uh ancient mythologies and belief systems and stuff and he really weaves that into his work and he's said that in his uh in his fiction works he says that he absolutely believes that there is a god and an afterlife and a beyond he just like believe you know he hasn't ascribed to a particular one grew up in a in a christian environment but but anyway his his books very much uh model kind of like the the c.s lewis fiction style for like a more contemporary time so i definitely recommend anybody who likes that those sort of books uh i recommend Coraline and american gods the most yeah it's a thorough response that's a good english teacher Um, (laughs) a play that you have never directed or conducted that you want to in the future yeah um so people that know me i have always wanted to direct death of a salesman because I just think it's a classic. I think it's so cool. But uh, but I actually have a better answer than that for now. I recently read the the, the old uh, play A Doll's House by Heinrich Ibsen, and I never read it before. I read it for the first time just like a couple weeks ago. Uh, I was really really struck by it, and so now I'm really jazzed up about directing A Doll's House at some point in the future. Last one, yeah, and then we'll throw to Gage. Who has the best garbage plate in Rochester? <laughs> oh boy, um, I really like Web. I don't know if this is the best in Rochester, but I really like Webster Hots on uh, Ridge Road in the village of Webster. Um, I feel like their burgers are cooked like. You know how sometimes on a garbage plate the burger is not as good as if you like ordered a burger, like the burger. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like as well cooked. It feels like all the elements in the Webster Hots plate are cooked how they should be before they're garbage together you know but uh, i gotta go with webster house on that one so listeners if you're not from rochester um imagine (laughs) everything wrong on a plate that would give you a heart attack (laughs) Mm. that's what a garbage plate is yeah (laughs) i don't have a garbage plate often but when i do it's like a special it's like having thanksgiving like you know how you like let yourself go on thanksgiving you know i i have a garbage plate maybe like three times a year maybe but like when i do yeah oh my gosh now we're going to talk about deconstruction <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a deconstructed plate, plate? yeah it's yeah. a thing mm-hmm. cool. okay well yeah um yeah well let's let's get into it mm-hmm. so like we said we we share some pretty uh humorous deep church background yeah. that we could you know maybe roll our eyes at bits and pieces but also maybe be grateful for others sure uh, but to get us to get us into your story a bit further, share a little bit more about your faith journey as you grew up and got older. Yeah. Um, 
so there's there's a lot of strands here so i'm going to try to keep it you know as sensible as i can but uh so um yeah so i i grew up at so as far as my memory goes i i grew up at browncroft here and had a absolutely fantastic childhood as as a member of the church like i have nothing but fond memories of my um you know as far back as i can remember through you know my elementary years and like middle school years here at browncroft absolutely cultivated a real faith here um we had uh were you part of bible steppers i wasn't okay no, okay so a bunch one. of uh, a group of parents in like the i guess probably like early 2000s i would say um put together like a a Sunday school class here at Browncroft where like it was, you know, like optional, you could sign up for it and they called it Bible steppers. I don't know if they had a curriculum or not. It's a long time ago, <laughs> but we, um, like they kid, like we were young kids and they taught us like through books of the Bible. And I learned a ton through that. And it was a rotating, like different parents would take different weeks and stuff. And so like Browncroft facilitated that. I don't know the details. I was 10 years old, but, uh, I remember learning a lot from that. Like a lot of my foundation of my faith came from that and from stockade and, you know, all sorts of different, the VBSs here at Browncroft unmatched. I don't know if they <laughs> still are, but they were, man, it's like Disney world when I think back to it. But anyway, um, good times. So also just like some other factors in there, my, um, shortly before I can remember, but like when I was young in my life, um, uh, my parents were, um, from a Catholic background. So my dad, um, in particular was, uh, pretty committed to being Roman Catholic. So there, there's elements of that that kind of like existed in my, in my parents' faith. And a lot of my faith kind of growing up, I didn't recognize it at the time, but I, I can see it now. Um, a lot of, I guess, um, opinions maybe that I was introduced to about like, you know, elements of, of the Christian faith were very much reactionary to the Catholic understanding. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like is, you know, whatever questions like what is communion you know mm -hmm. like i think um i think i was raised not just by my parents but by i think a lot of people um in my circle at the time it the answers to those questions were very much like calculated in reaction to to the catholic response that was disagreed with um so that was there but um Hold on one second, just for our listeners, like you're talking about transubstantiation. I probably messed that up. Where mm -hmm. I think the Catholic belief that sure that the 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 bread and the wine actually become part of the body, yeah, whereas yeah. the Protestant is symbol symbolism. If you're a theologian, I just try to give probably a couple hundred year doctrine, <laughs> right, 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 right. Just and, to, and like the idea too that like most like even lowercase c catholic churches right that are connected to the, like the more historic church like presbyterian and anglican and stuff mm. um look as at communion or the lord's supper or the eucharist as like the center of the christian experience mm. whereas um growing up in a more like non-denominational evangelical environment like communion was like a great tradition that we did but like i definitely didn't grow up thinking that communion was like an essential center point of the Christian experience, you know? So just things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, also things about baptism. Like I remember like my, I had like friends growing up who like were going to their baby sister's baptism. And mm -hmm. I was like, why is your baby sister being baptized? She can't make that decision, you know? So, so things like that. But anyway, um, so I grew up very plugged in to my evangelical Christian faith as a young kid. 
Um, we, we did switch churches when I was like in early high school and I had a really difficult time. Some people, you probably had this experience. I had a really difficult time. Like I was very connected with friends here at Browncroft, went to a new church that was much smaller uh, and older as you'll see if you leave a large evangelical <laughs> church for a smaller, more traditional church. Mm -hmm. um, and I had a really difficult time making friends mm -hmm. and in kind of like a rebellion that I didn't see as a rebellion at the time, but like I was like annoyed that we went to a new church. I was like a teenager, like wanted to stay with my friends. I really like unplugged. So even though I was a regular church goer and I was like participant in youth group and stuff in high school, uh, it was, I was emotionally and spiritually not there, you know? So I think, and I, I, I really thank God for that tremendous foundation that I had, uh, because, you know, I don't think I grew too much in like the high school years. <laughs> um, so funny thing, I went, I won't drop any names cause like person also went to Brown crowd. You probably know them, but anyway, um, so I had this like rivalry in high school with this girl that went to high school with me that also grew up with us at church. And I, my dad will deny this to this day, but I think he like, she was like better at school and like, you know, whatever than I was. And I remember like, I remember this like rivalry where like, I felt like my dad would always be like, well, you know, so-and-so <laughs> did this or like whatever, how, why don't you do that? And I always felt, um, like I was competing. So she said, we were like juniors or seniors, I don't remember. And she said like, we're talking about college or something. And then she said like, oh yeah, I think I'm gonna go to Grove City College. And I'm, I swear I did not wear a shirt as an ad. I just wore it today. <laughs> but anyway, she's like, I'm gonna go to Grove City College. I had never heard of it. No one in my family had heard of it. Um, Christian private college in Pennsylvania, if you're unaware. Um, anyway, so I'm like, never heard of it. And she, my dad looks it up and is like, my dad was a teacher in my high school. That's why he was there. <laughs> and he's like, uh, he looks it up and he's like, oh, that's great. That looks really cool. And he's like giving her all this praise for wanting to go there. And so immediately I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I'm going there. Like, that's it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and so the funny part is I went to Grove City College because I wanted to like one up this girl for no reason. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so by God, but actually that's not for no reason because it kind of brings me to this point that I'm making. Um, I absolutely think, and there's a lot of details that will go into this if you're interested, but I absolutely think that God, um, I'm a firm believer that even the smallest um, paths that we, doors that we open um, in our lives are directed by God for a purpose. And I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that God put certain steps in my life so that I would end up where I am now. And I think kind of my stumbling my way to Grove City College was a huge part in that mm. journey. Um, so I went to Grove City College out of spite <laughs> and um, I uh, got there, uh, met some great people, had a you know, really good time as a starting off as a freshman. Um, and then due to like a couple different factors um, of various things, like academically, socially, uh, stuff going on at home, like all different sorts of things. Um, the second half of my freshman year of college and my sophomore year excuse me, of college, I, I really fell into a really bad place emotionally and spiritually. And I felt very, um, one, one of the reasons why I really think that spiritual, I don't know if this is too much, but like spiritual forces or whatever, it sounds heavy, but like were very prevalent in, in my life at this time because mm -hmm. I 
when I look back at that season, which is probably about a year and a half long, I had, I was in a really bad place. I was certainly depressed. Uh, my grades were terrible. I, I was, I was making really clearly stupid decisions like socially and stuff like that in school. Um, morally as well and i remember like and it's funny because like i was it's one of those things where you feel like you're having like an out-of-body experience where you're looking at your own life mm -hmm. and you're like this is dumb but you just like continue anyway and like i felt like very like beside myself which which just made things increasingly worse um and so and the other thing is i knew in the back of my mind this whole time in this like disembodied experience right that i should reach out to god like I knew, like I have, I felt like God's presence with me the whole time. But mm -hmm. in this way where I was like, I knew in the back of my mind, like I should pray about this. I should like reach out to God about this. I should, I was not attending a church regularly. I was like, I should go to church. Maybe I should talk to somebody at a church about this. Um, whatever. I knew all of this. Like I remember my brain kind of like feeding me these things and just consciously rejecting those thoughts, you know, like, and I grew up in a world where like prayer was something that was not a uh, like a big deal. Like you shoot up a prayer really quick on your way to you know mm -hmm. in in the shower or whatever, right? So it's not like I felt like there was this big like oh I gotta formally pray, I gotta go to church, I gotta you know anything like that. It was like as simple as like asking God for help, and I just didn't want to do it. I just felt this barrier mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. um, hold, hold on one second. Yeah, go ahead. I think this is a good. So I resonate with like the sophomore slump. Yeah, and. <laughs> Like just kind of, I think sometimes we get into these series. So Gage and I interviewed Glenn Pearson, who, I mean, just his family life just was terrible. Yeah. Like go listen to the episode. Mm -hmm. We think about Mark Goodman, his family life was terrible. And I, I re resonate with you in the sense of like, I can't, I can't pinpoint the dark night of my soul of, exactly why yeah i can tell you like i didn't feel i love valley forge where i went to college mm -hmm. i didn't feel connected and and some of that was i was probably more connected than i thought yeah you know i live with this narrative and my soul someday will probably like I, I just don't belong yeah but like i was making these bad decisions like you know eating two half-priced appetizers at Applebee's mm -hmm. and like I gained 40 more bad decisions. Yeah. Oh, that that's a bad like a good one. I yeah. mean, I mean to, to take the frozen, nothing against Applebee's, but, <laughs> but like, I can't like pinpoint this terrible thing, but I can just, yeah, I don't know if it was a new place. I don't know if it was, yeah. what am I doing here? I mean, it, if you could kind of go back, you're saying you're having this yeah. out of body. Is there a moment? Is there a thing? Or well, I don't know if there's a moment, but I can tell you. See, I didn't. I wasn't even planning on going this this deep here, but I can tell you that there were there were. I don't know about a moment, but there were three factors hmm. that brought me down, like three metaphorical, hopefully metaphorical demons in my life. Hmm. Right, <laughs> I. I went to a Christian, so people that are considering whether to send your children to a Christian school. I went to a Christian college and I desperately, desperately wanted to be unique and have an identity that was interesting so I could make friends. Mm -hmm. 
and it sounds so silly, like in retrospect, but if you go to a Christian school, the easiest way to make yourself unique and interesting is to be contrary to the Christian faith. So I felt this like deep inner desire to be different. And I did that. Like you can really uh, stir up some controversy at a school like Grove City if you start claiming that you're buying into like just very like left and right of center theologies like like open theism or like mm. or the or universalism or mm. like things like that um i remember reading like a bunch for a while about like islam and but not in a way because i truly was interested in like considering islam mm. it was like oh if i'm sitting in the student union with like a quran people are going to be like whoa that guy's <laughs> interesting like that's what i thought you know what i mean and um and it did work to some degree, but I think I made friends with the people that you don't go to a Christian college to make friends with. You know what I mean? Like, I think that was a negative thing. Mm. Um, and the other two kind of elements, which are, I think like less obviously nefarious maybe, but worked out negatively was, uh, I was dating someone from high school and went, moved away. Um, and I think that I was fully, I didn't even give myself the chance to be fully present where I was mm. because I was just, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with like long distance dating, right? But like you have to, if you're going to long distance date, you have to take the effort to be as much as you can present in both places at both times, right? Um, or, or like split that in a healthy way where I feel like I was never present at that time where I should have been, you know what I mean? Um, and that was really bad. Uh, and then the other, the other like kind of third element was I definitely, um, in that dating relationship and, and like elsewhere, I definitely like many college kids do. I definitely went down that like kind of moral slippery slope where I kind of allowed myself to like experiment, experiment with things and then also be like, oh, I'm not immediately reaping a negative consequence. So all those things that I was told about how this thing is bad for you must not be true. But of course, like, I'm not an idiot. I believe that I was saved this whole time, possibly. I'm not sure, but I, I feel that way. So like, I had like a conscience. I feel like I had the Holy Spirit. Like I can remember making really dumb decisions that I knew were destructive and having the conversation in my head and being like, this is bad. It's going to hurt you. It disappoints God, like all these things. And me just being like, just cramming that down and, and like acting like that wasn't real. So, um, so anyway, to answer that question, I don't think there's like a particular moment, but I think that allowing myself to not try to be present where I was desperately desiring an identity that was not found in Christ mm. or in my true identity as a Christian. Mm. And then, um, basically taking gambles with things that I knew were sinful and dangerous. So the, those kind of three elements are what, what brought me there. Gage is probably going to ask a question, but you just had me thinking uh, my favorite show that should have gotten extended the next mm. it was freaks and geeks. And there's this very, there's this very classic scene where they're at the dinner table. I think they're talking about smoking or drinking mm. and like the dad's response is, well, aunt so-and-so used to smoke and drink you know what happened to them they died yeah, yeah like yeah, it just uh -huh. it felt like that kind of like i i don't think 
I don't think the people we grew up with, the adults, the leaders in our life yeah. intended to do that. But that scene <laughs> resonates mm-hmm. because it's like, yeah, you're going to read a book on open theism. You know what happens to people who you're gonna read it? You're going to die eternally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I remember too, like very much the feeling, even though I knew, like I said, that it wasn't true. There was very much that lie in my ear that like, you know, if you do this, you're going to die. And I did it and I didn't die. Yeah. So yeah. it must be fine. You know, like that sort of thing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway. Yeah. So, so to kind of like on the upslide though. So that was happening when I was in college, pretty dark time. Uh, when I think back to it, it's actually f- like funny because it feels so distant now um, that like next year, next fall will be like my 10 years out of, out of college. So it's not, hasn't been like that long, mm-hmm. but like it feels tremendously distant um because i feel like i'm a different person like it feels very different but anyway um so i'm in this really bad place i'm considering dropping out of school at at this time and i'm being told by a professor that i really respect i will never forget this he pulls me into his office and says if you end this semester the way that you ended the last couple i will he's my advisor and he's like i'm gonna recommend you be removed from school and i remember it just like and I was a straight A student in high school, like very shocking to hear that. Like mm. it just wasn't who mm-hmm. I was. Um, and that was a little bit of a wake up call, but not enough to like really turn the gears. So this brings me to why am I involved in Forefront and stuff, right? So sure. I, I'm i going to drop out of school. I have no plans. I My relationship with my parents are is iffy at this point because they're really disappointed and confused, you know, and all this sort of stuff. And... There's really no, I have no idea what's going on. And this one professor that I have for a random class, like not even a core class, um, she is also the director of the theater at the school. She directs two shows a year. And um, to this day, I don't understand why she did this, but like, thank God she did. So she starts having a conversation with me one day in class about, different like jobs that are necessary to make a historical play you know work right and we're talking about that and so if you're unfamiliar with drama there's a position called the dramaturg and there's a study called dramaturgy which is essentially doing research to maintain the historical and aesthetic accuracy of a play that takes place in a particular time or place Yeah, yeah yeah So she's talking to me about dramaturgy and I'm like, well, that's interesting. Never heard anything of it before, whatever. I guess I expressed like some interest or whatever. Out of the blue, no evidence that I could pull this off. In fact, only evidence to the contrary. Like I think I was doing poorly in her class. She asked me if I wanted to be the dramaturg and assistant student director for the spring play. And I was like completely taking it back like i was like i don't i don't do that like i don't do theater you know whatever and she was like i think you can do it and like she like it was almost like she uh like knighted me like she like <laughs> de- like she was like because i say so you can do this right and i remember thinking okay this sounds like fun but then slowly that evolved into i must do this because she chose me to do it mm. and like i won't let her down you know what i mean and i had like barely a relationship with her at this time so long story short she took this chance on me 
for, for no apparent reason at the time. Um, and I tucked fully into doing this research for this play we were doing. It's John Logan's Red. Fantastic play. Anyway, so I'm doing all this research hours at night working in her office researching stuff giving her reports of like what i'm finding you know working with the actors talk about these things the set designers all this stuff and then i start noticing that i'm doing like i picture this as like a montage like a movie in my head all the, the music's playing on <laughs> yeah but anyway that's happening i start realizing that like oh wait when i do a bunch of research and you know show the actors what i found or whatever that's that's effective why don't i do that for my classes as well so then i start like applying that same effort in like elsewhere as well my grades start going up i start making real authentic friendships by working with these people like co-laboring with people towards some end right i start to build like authentic friendships um and like literally every negative pattern that was happening starts turning around you know like because of this one offer that was given mm -hmm. to me right an offer I didn't deserve at all. Um, and then meanwhile, that's happening. You know, all this is happening. We're working on the show, blah, blah, blah. As I'm working on the show, she recommends that I take this spring class on um, basically just like aesthetics or like the, the philosophy of beauty. And so I, that semester, I immerse myself in working on this beautiful play and studying what God and the canon of like world philosophers have thought about beauty and long story short i fell in love with god all over again in a completely new way and felt so energized and connected to god by creating something beautiful and giving it to someone else in the form of Hmm. producing awesome stuff for these actors and 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 set designers or whatever then putting on that show and watching people come and see it and experience something that they could not have experienced if we had not labored for it you know what i mean and so i felt that for lack of a better word i felt like a kinship with mm -hmm. the divine that mm -hmm. i had never felt before like I, I get why God created man now, hmm. you know, like, and, and that was just huge. So ever since then, I've just had this thirst for, um, beauty and truth. And I think that that is the way that we see God most. And so, um, I've gone on a, a, a journey since then I've, I've plugged, I plugged back into church during that season as well. Um, and I started going to churches where I found the most beauty hmm. and, uh, I, I grew tremendously as, as a Christian in the following, like, you know, five years or so, um, moved back here to Rochester. I go to Grace Road Church here in Rochester. Love it there. Um, beautiful building over there. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. no, but, uh. I'm sure that we can direct this. Where yeah, you go, no, that but. thanks so much to get yeah. into there. Thanks for sharing all that. So that last bit, mm -hmm. there's two pieces I want to hit on here. But first, that last bit you're talking about how you say it was both encountering, experiencing, seeing beauty in a new yeah. way and the experience of participating in creation. Mm -hmm. Um kind of birthed this new thirst in you yeah 
that ultimately, and then you kind of said that bit quickly, kind of brought you back to church and seeking yeah, it yes. there. Can you can you dig into that a little bit? How did that push you towards yes. church again? So what what's the name of the series again? Why do I still follow Jesus? Okay. So <laughs> what? So essentially, your episode is why do I still follow Jesus? Christianity is beautiful. Yeah. So yeah. why? So the reason why I asked that is because like why like why do I still follow Jesus? because he is the most beautiful thing Mm -hmm. that has ever existed and i am absolutely convinced now that he is the source of all beauty so i am absolutely enamored with beautiful things and i am absolutely convinced that they're only beautiful because he pours himself into them everything that's beautiful in the world is is that way because he has put himself in there yeah. yeah. How'd you get there? Walk us a little more through that season. How'd you get there from a course on aesthetics and sure. being, uh, you know, co-director of this play? Yeah. So, um, it's hard to answer that question without breaking down the philosophy of aesthetics, but basically, <laughs> uh, no, but like, give us a taste. Yeah. So, so the idea that, um, so in, in, and this has happened like throughout history, right. But, um, in like, post-enlightenment Europe, so like modern Western Europe, um, there's a ton of discussion about what is beauty, why is beauty, does beauty matter, a lot of discussion about that, and this is referred to as aesthetics, right? So the, um, while a lot of philosophers in this era were very questioning of the existence of God, Europe at that time was largely in almost entirely informed by christian thought right so this idea that things that are beautiful why are things beautiful in the world they're beautiful whether you're christian or not right what what is beauty beauty is things that are orderly they're ordered they're structured they're predictable they're um resonant they're uh cordant so like music Mm -hmm. that is um you play a number of notes that sound well together, right? Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. cordance. And then in um, the things that are beautiful are balanced, right? Um, and then we also find contrast beautiful. And we find contrast beautiful because it's drama. So mm-hmm. if you look at a piece of visual art that has a tremendous amount of contrast, why is that arresting to you? It's the same reason why we love revenge of the sith <laughs> because there's uh no because there's drama and pain right do we love revenge of the sith we do i don't know about you but no but um no but uh that i was trying to think of something that most people have seen that's very dramatic um so the uh so anyway that sort of thing um so and then i started realizing through the study of aesthetics right that um all forms of creativity be it fine art music literature painting right but also cooking and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um home repair Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. all these things right are all ways that we bring order Mm -hmm. and balance to a world that has been deconstructed by the fall of man and the entrance of sin into the world so once i realized that like wait a minute the work of the artist or the creator or anybody 
like even if you're like a lawn maintenance person right yeah why do we maintain our lawns because we're bringing order and balance to a world that is unbalanced and chaotic and has thorns and weeds and stuff like that right so um so if you're unfamiliar with kind of christian um aestheticism right the idea that it is part of the mandate that god gave adam and eve and then even more so the mandate that god gave the disciples the great commission as well Mm -hmm. i think can be translated to the fact that god created a perfect world that was beautiful in every way and then due to the fall of man the world has been invaded by an ungodly nature an antichrist nature has invaded the world and god will one day restore all things not only to how they were in the garden but into a better place than mm. than the better way than they were in the garden and what will make them better the fact that humanity will be there in a perfected way and the work that we have done to co-labor with god to restore the world will be there so everything that we do to like when you clean when you sweep your kitchen floor you're actually doing art when when you sweep the floor you are taking away chaos and discord Mm. from god's creation to make it more beautiful and we do that in you know it's it's easy to see how that's done when you take like a rundown old house or something and then you Mm. you hire an excellent uh interior designer and an awesome craftsman team to make a rundown old house into like this beautiful you know whatever your style is right picture (laughs) it in your mind right we can see how that's like wow that's like you know but that's what god does he takes broken stuff and puts balance and color and drama and truth into them and makes them what they're meant to be so uh, that's um i mean that's extremely deep and remarkable Thank you. uh and um but that's not the end of your first deconstruction dark mm. night of the soul um it seems okay, like that's, okay sorry i'm, I'm oh, not no, answering your question oh but, no 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 you answered gage question but okay i i think i, I want to kind of bring us back to to kind of where actually let me really sure. quick i think the answer to your question yeah which I should have started with. No, no, I should have just started with how did that, how did that become what I was just talking about? Right. And I think the answer is I didn't feel like I had anything to live for Mm. until I understood that what we're all living for is helping to participate with God's restoration of the world. So Mm. now I see everything Mm. as participation with that. So that's what happened. So that's actually a perfect segue because I think some people feel like, I go through a season of doubt. I go through a season of deconstruction. Yeah. I go through that. I'm good. Mm-hmm. And you can come to that conclusion. I'm part of this grand master story and sure. drama, but you've experienced one within the last mm-hmm. five years or so. Yeah. Yeah. So I have like toyed around for drama's sake with the term deconstruction. Mm. Um, so I, I, I'm assuming this is what you're getting at. I've, I've had like and what I can call. Bring us up to speed for the listeners on timeline. So we're mm. just talking about your new encounter with God yeah, and yeah, beauty. Yeah, yeah. That was when? Um, let's say like 2013. 
So okay. about like 10 years ago. Okay. Okay. Um, you get married, you know. Yeah. So Pittsburgh, so, move back to yeah, Rochester. So life, yeah. So life was awesome after that point. Got something to live for. Got got an awesome social circle now. Going to church. Plugged into an awesome church. Graduated college. You know, things are going well. Connected with my now wife who went to Grove City, but we didn't know each other there, mm-hmm. ironically. Um, so... That's awesome. Things are, are looking up. I decided to um, pursue being an English teacher. Love um, literature. Love young people. It just, just worked out. I went back to school for that. I went to Roberts Wesleyan here in Rochester for my uh, master's degree. That's all happening in this kind of time period. Um, I'm really plugged into my faith during this, this time. Uh, and then, uh, so during this whole season, I'm attending an Anglican church a member of an Anglican church that is, if you're a theology church history nerd, it was an ACNA church plant. So conservative wing of the Anglican church. Um, I was attracted to it because of its historic nature and its deep focus on beauty. Um, I forget who said this, but a, a like church historian said that the thing that, that, differentiates protestant denominations is their second book so the idea is protestants hold the bible (laughs) about either prima or sola scriptura right and then there's a second book that they use so like the presbyterians use like the uh westminster catechism the lutherans use the book of concord right and the anglicans use the book of common prayer Mm -hmm. so i remember being absolutely struck by the fact that like there's this beautiful book of extremely orderly, effectively poetry, you know? Um, It's like an extension of the Psalms, you know? And I was like, this is just beautiful. And then not only the fact, and that and the fact that like, you know, C.S. Lewis, but um, (laughs) yeah, evangelicals, you know, love to to love to identify with c.s lewis but like c.s lewis would not be happy with the evangelicals he was a hardcore high church anglican uh big uh eucharist guy anyway um so um, no smoke machines but yeah 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 but anyway so um anyway so i i've always been like enamored with like that sort of thing but i'm going to anglican church um i got confirmed in that church um, and actually like participated as a lay minister, um, helped with the sacraments um, and stuff like that, which was just a beautiful season. Like, I feel like I just grew tremendously in that time. Um, but during that, I'm also kind of exposed to, I don't know if this is the right term, but what I'm going to call historic Christianity. And mm-hmm. I'll, I'll define what I mean by that. What I mean is I, I started learning like by conversation and listening to podcasts and whatever that the belief that I had grown up with, which I'm going to kind of lump together. I'm sure I'm going to bother somebody with this, but like kind of like the like Baptist evangelical non-denominational way of seeing Christianity was very new in the Mm. history Mm -hmm. of Christianity. Mm -hmm. So while Baptists love to point to the fact that there have been effectively Baptists from the very beginning of the church history. And I granted the vast majority of organized Christianity, be it Roman Catholic or, or Eastern Orthodox or otherwise, have all agreed on a number of main tenets. So like even high church Protestants, Presbyterians, Lutherans, Anglicans agree on arguably more things with the Catholic and Orthodox church than they do with the evangelical faith I grew mm-hmm. up with. 
So it really, so here comes my deconstruction. Mm -hmm. So starting in probably 2016 or 2017, I really deeply encountered this through a close friendship with a Byzantine Catholic priest. Weird circumstance how we became friends, but that's for another story. But <laughs> so I start hanging out with this guy like multiple times a week and we're just talking. Um, he invites me to his church. He's a seminarian at Cyril and Methodius Byzantine Seminary in Pittsburgh, whatever. And he basically just, among other people, opens my eyes to the fact that my version my interpretation of christianity is like only like 50 years old like 50 <laughs> 60 years old and i um and i realize this is arguable right but i'm hit it feels like i'm like knocked on you know off my feet by this reality i'm like wait a minute so and and like i like the joke i just made about c.s lewis it like rocked me when i started to realize that heroes of the christian faith that i admire would probably not even consider me a christian because my theology ha has gone so astray from and I, and and before you think where i'm going right i have reconciled these things now i, I think yeah but like at the time yeah. i'm thinking if i met c.s lewis or J.R. <laughs> tolkien or you know even um people like um charles spurgeon mm. you know like like people that a lot of us admire Quote, yeah but also martin luther john mm. calvin mm -hmm. like martin luther and john calvin would not i believe affirm the authenticity of like non-denominational christianity <laughs> i i think they would see it as like a heretical sect you know luther think, for sure because luther thought calvin was that you know so like yeah but i think but, famously calvin would not um admit someone if into his you know group if uh they didn't fast twice a week wow i, I hadn't heard that one no but which is, that, which is foreign to most of us but, but it's, anyway. it's it's very ironic to me and like if you never had this thought you know sorry but it it always strikes me as funny when I'm sitting in like a non-denominational evangelical church and people are like proudly quoting Luther or Calvin or whoever as if like he's one of us. And I'm like, if Luther rose from the grave and came to this church, he would decry you from the pulpit. You know what I mean? So, so, so anyway, uh, so long story short. I always say that as a transition, but what I, what I mean though, is that I, I really got like shaken. And when I say shaken, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this is why I don't, I, I like, I'm toying with the word deconstruction because I was not shaken at any point, thank God, in my belief in God or in my faith that Jesus Christ is the son of God and the Messiah and the savior of the world. At no point was I worried from about that. However, I became deeply paranoid that the Jesus that I had been sold mm -hmm. by mm -hmm. Browncroft and, and every other, you know, like evangelical experience that I had was mm -hmm. a farce. Mm. And that the true Jesus was found elsewhere and that I had been mm -hmm. sold a cheap counterfeit. And there was a period of probably a year and a half or maybe two years. So like, yeah, probably from like 2017 to like almost 2020, I was in 
a different kind of dark night where I was very anxious, like at all times, constantly trying to consume more information. Um, and I had this deep, deep fear that the way, right, like the pathway through the narrow gate, right, to to true life with Christ mm -hmm. was much narrower than I had ever thought. Mm. And I, and that most people that I knew that called themselves Christians were horribly deceived mm. and that we weren't actually Christians at all. And, um, that led me, um, basically to the Roman Catholic church. Um, and I don't want to get spent too much time on that but my idea I, yeah wait actually if yeah. you would pause because i think this yeah. is a powerful moment because i think a lot of our listeners probably relate mm -hmm. to a lot of what you just said um i know i have in parts yeah. of my own journey as well um feeling like the christianity they've known their life mm -hmm. is this you know modern inauthentic mm -hmm. expression of an ancient thing mm -hmm. um or, or I don't know about enough. I might just for the sake of it, like if not inauthentic, just something that's so shallow mm. that it barely even touches. Like imagine like, you know, uh, there's like this huge nutritious meal spread on the table. <laughs> right. And God has like offered this Thanksgiving meal. Mm -hmm. And then I go to a, a spot and they're only feeding me gravy. <laughs> and they're like this is church this is god but the entire table has been set like like i felt like in the evangelical american church i was just being fed gravy when everything else was there well and one thing to point out because i want to hear your response to gage's mm -hmm. question i so there there's something very unique about what you both have kind of experienced mm -hmm. with kind of this tie to historic Christianity. But as a pastor, there's also something that's kind of universal Yeah, is we tend to, we tend to question where we grew up. Sure. And so we tend to so, not thought about that. Like so, for sure. so like I meet individuals that follow Jesus that grew up Catholic mm -hmm. And all of a sudden they become evangelical. Right. And I think it's a powerful thing to think about. Um, Which was my parents' journey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that in many ways, sometimes we don't sit back and stop and think about like, how much am I responding yeah. to what I grew up? So anyways. And, and how much are we just like penduluming? Mm -hmm. You know, like mm -hmm. every generation it's like, oh, mommy and daddy taught me this. So this. And yeah. then our, like my kid's going to be like. <laughs> the most modern Christian you've ever seen. Yeah, no. Right. Anyway. So, yeah, I just, I know, because we've already established you go to Grace Road currently, yes. right? Mm -hmm. And so you currently- Not, not a Catholic church. Yeah. Not a Catholic church. <laughs> it's, it's not even, in the grand scheme of things, uh, a very liturgical church. No, it's, no. it's similar to Browncroft in yes. that it's, it's more, you know, modern evangelical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we know this place that you just described you didn't stay in. Yeah. Um, but I wanted, I wanted to acknowledge that because I think it has some weight. So then yeah. what? So I have, so I, I, I use a lot of analogies. So like, we'll see if this works, but I didn't stay there, but imagine that like this, this journey into historic Christianity was, I went on this like 
you know, like quest through these different denominations. And I kind of climbed the pretty predictable ladder. Like I was like, like, you know, like most non-denominational churches are effectively Baptist, like theologically Mm. speaking. Right. So I was like, okay, the next step above Baptist is kind of like Presbyterian. And then you can go like (laughs) Lutheran, then you can go Anglican, then you go Catholic, (laughs) then you go Orthodox. (laughs) Right. So like that sort of thing. Right. So I like followed the staircase, you know, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. And each like step up the staircase, as I was like researching and learning more, even though now I'm like kind of back where I started, I gained a ton of treasure along mm. the way. Like if I went on the uh, the Tolkien-esque there and back again, right? I yeah, brought yeah. the dragon gold back. You know what I mean? <laughs> and the, um, but based, so that being said, um, what I have realized and why do I still follow Jesus? Do I think that, like I said, I think Jesus and beauty are, are inextricably connected. Right. Mm -hmm. So when I started following this staircase, it was because I was following the beauty Mm -hmm. where like where is ancientness and depth and and beauty and art and and, stuff like that. Right. And things that aren't going to blow away in the wind, you know, Mm -hmm. like like the evangelical church for all its good, like tremendous good. Like, don't get me wrong. It has a model where we change our aesthetics mm. and our function as quickly as the culture does, right? And and there's great positives to be said about that. But at the time I was like, that's not rooted in anything. It's like nothing, right? So I, I kept climbing up this ladder. And then I started really questioning because the question was, I, I realized that if I accept this trail, which is Christ is only found where all this beauty is, right? I have to accept that Christ was not authentically present everywhere else that I've encountered him. Mm. And then that was really difficult because it's one thing, and I still affirm actually, that Christ may be um, being worshipped in, in, a, in a more fuller sense mm. in some of these more historic settings. Maybe. I'm not a theologian. However... I cannot affirm that he was not there working mightily in the most least historic Christian environments I've ever been a part of. And so I started really wrestling with like, okay, if um, the way that church has been done, you know, for as far back as the first century, right, is is the only way, which is the claim of a lot of these churches, Mm. that this is the only way you can authentically encounter Christ. Well, then what about everything that happened to me when I was a kid? What about Mm -hmm. the evangelicals that brought me out of the dark pit in college? What about the act of, I think probably conscious grace that my, that professor granted to me, you know, to, to pull me out of that hole. Um, God was working in those places mightily clearly to me. So, um, I think that these... Hold, hold on one second, yeah. though, because I know we want to talk about beauty, but I think this is actually pretty important for our listeners. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I think there's... I don't I know if you... all day, so you got to direct me. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think there's a problem in evangelical churches of we need the kids to get it right. Yes. 
And so listening to your story, like you use the word anxiety because mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. said, Hey, I, I need to get it right. So I, I'm a parent of two, two wonderful yeah, yeah, little yeah. girls and, um, you know, I'm married to a therapist. So like I've accepted, <laughs> I will mess my kids up. I'm a broken, sinful person, but you know, you think about those Bible classes that did so much for you, but I, I think that part of our generation as millennials struggled with mm-hmm. was you need to get it right. And some of us with yeah. the anxiety, we went super, super deep. Yeah. And so we're like, so you go up the staircase and it's like, well, I have to find the most accurate yes. version of Christianity mm-hmm. and other people when they start going down the accurate road. Mm-hmm. And so I think where I want to kind of transition you just for a second yeah. is there's the get it right piece that leads people to different directions. But the, you talked about beauty, but ultimately if we were to talk about anything that sets Christianity apart, no matter how theologically deep sure. is love. Yeah. It's the power of somebody taking you in and that's yeah. all in your story. Yes, absolutely. And I'm glad you, you picked that up. Um, I think too, so yeah, I think absolutely that love love is love that other people showed me unconditionally is what has like pulled me along this this road. Um and I think that's God's love being tooled through people, you know. But I think that uh the other thing that sets Christianity apart from every other faith is the fact that it's about God. It's not about me. And what I mean by that is the fact that the, in every other faith, as far as I'm aware, you do have to get it right. You have to have the, the proper knowledge. You have to have the proper behavior. You have to do the right ritual to ensure that you are forgiven or, or whatever, right? But in Christianity, and this is what I learned going up and down the staircase, mm-hmm. in Christianity, it's about your heart and it's about your intent and it's about your desire to authentically relate with your creator. And I'm not saying that just by having, you know, that desire, though C.S. Lewis might argue it. Um, I think that the, um, I think that the fact that, I think that when we, when we, when we read the words of Christ, right, he is constantly admonishing the religious for Mm. making it really matter is your theology in line with mine is your ritual in line with mine is Mm -hmm. my whatever and jesus is like hey like i'm right here like you know Mm -hmm. this is you know and and uh i think that the um so again like i i have tremendous value for for like the older traditions now that i didn't have like five six years ago um but I also realized that, like, wh- where is Jesus found? Where is God's love found? And I think it's found everywhere that he's sought. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, I think he, he will make himself present wherever two or more are gathered in his name, right? As, as scripture says. And I think that we become... So, so I, I recommend everybody, right? Like, look into, like, the deeper, older forms of Christianity. But also remember that the Christ has Christ came for the meek 
and he came for the the outliers right and he ca- he came for where you don't expect to see him right he that's where he was found right so whenever we limit like oh christ can't be outside these walls that that we created right now we're we're becoming pharisees mm. you know and i think that i had to i had to go i had to go there to feel what that would what that would be like you know what i mean so i don't know if that i don't know if that worked with what you were saying no 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 i i think it did because i i think in this series i Mm -hmm. i think we want to i think there's a there's a conception out there engage i'd kind of like you to respond to this there's a conception Mm -hmm. out there that like verbally will tell people you can't doubt or deconstruct mm. or read a oh, book. Oh, I see what you're saying. Or read a book on open theism. Mm. Yeah, please do. Um No, my my um yeah. doubts and explorations have only brought me closer to God. And I think and I'm sure that you can find examples of people that have been led astray, surely. But you know the idea that like I don't know the the idiom, but like there's this idea that like true like truth being like a lion like you don't have to defend the truth it just Mm. defends itself you just open the cage right truth exists and truth is you know empowered by an almighty god so god is not afraid of you looking for the truth like he's there and he's in control of like what what you find and what you don't find you know what i mean and i think that the I think that when we live in anxiety that we can't, we're not allowed to doubt. We're not allowed to Mm. explore. We're not allowed to stumble. Like, Mm. I think that's, I think that separates us from God. Hmm. This has been a very rich conversation. Um, rich, uh, pun intended. (laughs) We, um, we probably need to have you on again, but I, I kind of want to, I kind of want to come to kind of a close. So maybe, um why don't you just um before we get to our final remarks Mm -hmm. why don't you just kind of wrap up kind of you have this first experience with beauty yeah you know it it almost it almost matches you know the story of the disciples the disciples first meet jesus they begin to follow him and then however i grew up pentecostal so Mm. you have the baptism of the holy spirit we won't um, but it's almost as if this the first deconstruction was to bring you back to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And this second deconstruction is almost, it's like a second work of grace. Yeah. What was that like? Mm, it's almost Methodist. No, but um, <laughs> no, but the idea, yeah, no, absolutely. I think that the, I, so I think a good summary of, of everything that we've talked about is the fact that I am absolutely convinced now I'm of the fact that God has been, clearly um directing my path Mm. each step of the way um in ways that sometimes even appear supernatural and i think that the highs and lows that i've experienced have been purposeful like don't get me wrong i don't think that god causes us to sin and then therefore feel the repercussions of our sin. But God directs our lives in such a way that I think that the highs and lows that I have experienced have been very purposely designed by God to make me the man I am today. And I 
I look forward to what he's going to continue to do in that way. Like I'll give you an example. When I was at Grove City in that dark period, I desperately wanted to leave. And again, when I think back, it's so funny and it, it, it shows me how like ungodly of a, of a position I was in at the time. Because when I think back, there was like no reason why I should have wanted to leave. But I like desperately wanted to get away. You know what I mean? And so I applied to a number of schools all over the place. Like I shotgunned applications out there to schools that were way below my um, resume mm -hmm. effectively. And I got denied from everyone. <laughs> and I, now you may be thinking, wow, maybe you weren't as smart as you thought. No, but what I'm saying is it literally, like multiple people commented that they were like, it makes no sense that you didn't get into any of those schools. Like there's no sense to it. And I think God was clearly putting up a barrier because he had something for me at, at Grove City. And I, if I had left, None of that stuff that I told you about would have happened. And I think he put me through the ringer of applying to all these schools and getting rejection letter after rejection letter that made zero sense so that I would like, like he was like, I want you here. Like feel, like feel all these doors that should be open. I'm closing them one after another. So you realize that I don't want you to go through any, mm. you know? Mm. So trust him, people. <laughs> yeah yeah tweet that mm -hmm. well um we're definitely gonna have to have you back on again yeah. um you know yeah. what uh, so much so much more we could get we haven't even talked about I, uh, forefront yet well you know we <laughs> yeah, yeah. we have done some christmas episodes That's and true. That's uh, true. i i guess um i guess what we can do with forefront too is we always like to make podcasting decisions we have a third series coming up um we're calling it questions of our day, also known as Ooh. spicy questions. Ooh. One of our co-hosts, Alyssa Matz. I, I think we have a place for you in Hot that takes. Series. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> Final remarks. Gage, where do you want to go? All right. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Like we've already said, there, so much, mm. so many conversations we've opened that we could get so much deeper into. I so appreciate our friendship. I so yeah. appreciate your journey, uh, your honesty, your openness, sharing it with us. Mm. Uh, yeah, a million things, but I'm going to maybe maybe a little ambitiously try to wrap up yeah. two themes uh, that came out from this conversation to me. And one was the predictable, the, the beauty aspect, mm -hmm. um, because we knew coming in this conversation, mm -hmm. we were going to talk about that. But then the other thing we didn't, I didn't know coming in here was that theme you just hit on pretty heavily uh, with that doors analogy mm -hmm. is... Uh, God's hand, God's guiding hand, mm -hmm. um, and I would say even redeeming hand. Yeah. Um, and I think those two uh, beautifully wrap together because it's in fact the beauty God makes out of our wandering mm -hmm. or tragedy that befalls us or around us, darkness in the yeah. world. Um that I think is so powerful. It wouldn't be, well, I shouldn't say that. I would, I'm gonna not resist the temptation right now to mention Tolkien in an episode on Go. beauty. And I, I just can't help thinking of the opening. And 90% of what we talked about was C.S. Lewis. Fight, fight. Yeah, anyway, let's go. <laughs> well, I can't, I can't resist thinking of the beginning, the opening of the Silmarillion, 
where you know for our listeners who are I, familiar, I purposely chose not to go there so thank you <laughs> <laughs> excellent excellent mm-hmm. um for those who aren't familiar with it it's this gorgeous poetic uh narrative where this god figure in tolkien's world universe the creator uh the creator figure yeah um has created these beings these angelic like beings and wants to invite them into the role of co-creating with him middle earth mm-hmm. and he does it via song mm-hmm. um you can't hit any harder on the beauty and art yep. metaphor here right um or the creator metaphor and so in and, this and aslan creates narnia through song as well that's true yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah they were friends so it makes yeah. sense um but in in the Silmarillion, in this work of tolkien uh the God figure invites these angelic beings into creating Middle Earth through song, but then some of them start singing dissonantly. Mm-hmm. We talked a minute about resonance, mm-hmm. um, but some of them start singing dissonantly and at first seeming to throw off the song. Mm-hmm. And this happens time and time again, but each time uh, Tolkien's uh, God character weaves the discord mm-hmm. into a new layer of mm. the song, more beautiful than it was before. Yeah. Read the opening to the yeah. Silmarillion. It's way I, more beautiful than I paraphrased just now. I got a quick, really uh, practical one for you. Ready? I, who's seen the Prince of Egypt? Come on. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So the Prince of Egypt, I talk about epics in my ninth grade <laughs> class, right? Foundational epics. So we talk about the Iliad and the Odyssey for the Greeks, right? And then I talk about the Exodus for a Judeo-Christian mm-hmm. society, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The Exodus pretend for a minute that the exodus was an entirely fictional story absolutely incredible drama incredible story right like the prince of egypt is you know found in a basket and Mm -hmm. he's a hebrew Mm -hmm. and then he goes and frees his people against his brother you know like incredible right the god puts you know, the, the Pharaoh kills the firstborn sons, right? Which, of course, prefigures Christ, which mm. is insane, right? But the Pharaoh kills the firstborn sons. She puts her baby in a basket. All these horrible things, right? Moses kills a man and runs away into the mm-hmm. desert, right? Mm-hmm. All these horrible experiences create a beautiful drama. Mm. And that's what God's doing out here. He's creating a beautiful drama and he's using us to do it. And dramas are pretty boring if there's no downslides. So like if you're in a bad spot right now, it's part of God's awesome story, you know? Mm. Well, I'll just give two final remarks because actually we went out of order, but then that was great. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I, I had a professor in college. He was actually a Greek professor. His name was Wes Smith. Had a huge impact on my life the one phrase he repeated to us always was make Jesus believable and beautiful and visible to every person you meet. Mm. And, um, I get a little emotional thinking about it because, you know, in this episode, I want to put beautiful first or, or third. Um, but there's something about when Jesus is believable, he then becomes beautiful and then becomes visible. And uh, I think about that in the, Last thought that I have, uh, having two little girls, uh, we're reading the Jesus Storybook Bible. Nice. I'm going to butcher this line, but there's a story about this woman named Leah that everyone thinks is ugly. Mm-hmm. And Sally Lloyd-Jones in this, um, she has this beautiful phrase that hopefully somebody will get right. But, you know, God, um, God thought Leah was beautiful and therefore 
she was beautiful. Like it was mm-hmm, just this mm-hmm. play on words that, you know, and just hearing your story in a very simplistic, mm-hmm. you know, God thought Rich was beautiful. Therefore he was beautiful mm-hmm. and, you know, Gage. And I, I think that it, it's the beauty and um, it's the, the outsideness of the story that brings us back. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Rich, we're going to talk about Forefront at some point, but just cool. tell people where to go. Yeah, um, yeah, check out what we do at uh, ForefrontFestival.com, and you can check us out on like Instagram and Twitter and stuff at ForefrontFest, F-E-S-T. But uh, yeah, and come to our artist circle, third Thursdays of every Ooh. month. Yeah, look it up, look it up. Awesome. You Thank don't have you. to be an artist. You just have to love beautiful stuff and friends. Come on out. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. You can find us at the whygodwhypodcast.com. Click the subscribe button. You'll get this episode and many other ones like it. Thank you so very much. Yeah.